0: Thank you, thank you, thank you Thank you Miss Linda And uh, wow I don't know if you sense this Sometimes as the guy who gets to, to be up here preaching uh, Maybe I'm the only one aware of it But there are certain Sundays Where I feel like God is up to something So I don't know what he's up to today But hang on Because he's up to something I don't, I don't know Maybe it's just me Thank you Lynn for that testimony. If you've got your Bible, I want you to open up to Nehemiah chapter 1. We are going to look at Nehemiah in just a second and we're going to talk about the mess before the miracle. Uh, Hence, a lot of our music is that kind of along that theme today. Uh, The message could also be titled a proper response to chaos uh, because part of the mess can be in our own lives and part of the mess can be the world in which we live And I don't know about you, if you've turned on the news recently, I would encourage you maybe just to take the TV out in the backyard and shoot it. Um, But if you've turned on your TV and you look at some of the mess and the chaos of the world, sometimes uh, the negativity that we see can almost convince us that God is not in the miracle working business. But as we were just reminded by Linda, God is in the miracle working business. And miracles are different, you're right, are different for all of us. But we're going to begin our study today in the book of nehemiah and we'll see how far we get in nehemiah chapter one but god has laid this book of the bible on my heart for us to look at over the next series of weeks uh, and or months we'll see how far we get hopefully we'll get through it by easter uh, and then we'll see what god has in store for after easter but nehemiah is a very interesting uh, person and if you know anything about the book of Nehemiah, actually, uh, the book of Ezra and Chronicles in Nehemiah in the original text, the Hebrew text, was all just one book for us to be able to follow along and find chapter and verse. It's been modernized so we can find Nehemiah chapter 1, and that's where we land today. But just so you know, it's, it's a chronicle story and a chronological sequence of what is happening with uh, the remnant Uh, of Israel and the restoration of the people the Jews after they have been uh, exiled and deported to Babylon and you probably know when the Jews um, were deported to Babylon they began to make homes for themselves some of them actually rose in prominence people like Daniel Shadrach Meshach Abednego uh, and of course Ezra Uh, God raised those people up for such a time as they were in to make a difference And many of those uh, Jews Wanted to follow God They still wanted to serve God But they did it from Babylon They were too fearful Talked about fear just a second ago Too scared For whatever reason They did not return to the land God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob And so that is the setting That we find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter 1 Nehemiah is We we find him in this opening chapter In a royal city A city of Persia It's a city in Persia called uh, Shushu Some translations say Susa But it's the capital uh, of that region of the world and we find nehemiah at the beginning of chapter one And so let's jump in and kind of find out what he has to say to us nehemiah chapter one verse one And i'm going to stop several times along the way Just to point out some things to you that I learned this this week to give context to what we're reading Okay, the words of nehemiah the son of hakaliah now let's stop right there What a great name any of you that thinking about having kids that's a great name for a kid hakaliah We don't know much about Hakaliah other than the text telling us that that was Nehemiah's uh, dad to separate him from other Nehemiahs that we come across in the Bible. So it's just kind kind of a descriptor so we'll know that this is a certain Nehemiah. And it says it happened in the month Cheslev. I think I told you last Sunday that that's a Babylonian word for our calendar would be between like the month of November and December right in there on the calendar. And if you remember, I think we looked at Daniel Some time ago on a, on a given Sunday And we actually talked about Shadrach Meshach and Abednego were their Babylonian Names So this is the Babylonian month that we read here Cheslev It was in the 20th year, Nehemiah says While he was in Susa, the capital That Hanani, one of my brothers Let's stop right there One of my brothers Scholars debate whether he was actually a blood brother Of Nehemiah Or he was just A Jewish brother, kind of like when we say um, I have a brother from a different mother. Joey and I are brothers from a different mother. Okay, I don't know. We don't know if that's what he's saying, or he's saying that's is actually a blood brother. But he comes in the presence of Hananiah, one of his brothers, and some men from Judah came, and he asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived. That's an interesting word. Uh, and i'm in the new american standard. I believe this morning had survived the captivity and about jerusalem verse 3 and they said to me the remnant there in the province who survived The captivity are in great distress and reproach And the wall of jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire now. Let's stop just a minute Some of you may be aware of this some of you not So let me just kind of tell you what I was reminded of this week as I studied the temple had been rebuilt For about 70 years, but the walls that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed back in about 586 BC were still in ruins So this city is defenseless In these times the walls I know we're hearing a lot about walls in our own country. That's not the wall we're talking about this morning but walls were built to protect And if the city had no walls then the enemy could come in and could attack and pilfer and plunder and kill people and so the the walls have been Uh, are are down they need to be rebuilt the city is defenseless and they actually had tried if you look back in the book of Ezra chapter 4 they actually had attempted at rebuilding the walls at one time a few years before but some Samaritans and some other uh, pagan residents of the land started to complain and they started to complain at such a level that Artaxerxes the king just said stop just stop just stop people are complaining we're not going to do that we're going to quit And so they stopped the work. And so we pick up at verse 4. It came about when I heard these words. Nehemiah says, I sat down and I wept. And I mourned for days. And I was fasting and I was praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. Who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open to hear the prayer of thy servant. Which I am praying before thee now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel. Thy servants I'm confessing the sins of the sons of Israel which we have sinned against thee. And I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against thee. He says verse 7. We've not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances, which thou didst command thy servant Moses. In verse 8, he says, Remember the word which thou didst command thy servant Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and I will bring them to the place where I've chosen to cause my name to dwell. And they are thy servants and thy people whom thou didst redeem by thy great power and thy thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, may thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and the prayer of thy servants who delight to revere thy name and make thy servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. And then he throws in this statement I was the cupbearer to the king. It's interesting. Cupbearers had a very special privilege of admission. To the king and you may be aware that the chief job of the cupbearer was to taste anything that the king would eat I need one of those (laughs) (laughs) And what he would do is he would he would taste the wine or the food and and if he didn't die (laughs) Then the king would go, okay This is okay because that was a way that opposing forces and people who did not like him could infiltrate That particular ruler and actually take them out was by poisoning their food So the job of the cupbearer was very important And he rose to this position, we don't know all the details, but he rose to this position And and literally the king's life was in a sense in his hands Because the wealthy enemies, as I just mentioned, from a sovereign uh, Other nation or area Could be ready to bribe Nehemiah to poison the king And to take him out And it's interesting to me that we have Nehemiah who rises up at this level to be a cupbearer And we'll find out next week as we look at chapter 2 That he actually gets promoted to be the governor Of Judah and he gets permission to go back And to help his friends rebuild the city You know as I was reading that this week I thought Wow what an awesome thing to have that opportunity To be a cupbearer to the king And to have the ear of the king Here's what I thought I'll be really honest with you I thought about how we in our Christian bubble sometimes have retreated from those areas of the world of influence. It is a fine line. I think about things like Hollywood and movies and politics. My question is, where is the church in those areas of influence? Because we have kind of gotten our Christian bubble. And sometimes we think that's not a, there's no place for a Christian in that. There's no place... For a Christian to do certain things in those areas. But there's a great place for us to to use our influence just like Nehemiah did. As God grants that influence to make a difference in those areas. One of the reasons our world is the way that it is. Is because we kind of have retreated. Just throwing that in. For free. Things are upsetting and they're crazy in Nehemiah's day. Just like they're crazy in our world today. And we find out that in this mess that's going on. Nehemiah overhears a conversation it says in verse 3 or verse 2 Hanani and some men from Judah come when I was doing the the rereading this and studying it again this week this situation that happens in this chapter is actually a miracle because these guys for them to actually See Nehemiah and actually wind up having a conversation should not have happened. Why? Because Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Here these guys come. I guess he had gone out to survey the land and they come back. And for them to actually cross paths and have a conversation should have never happened. Because Nehemiah was here politically. Kind of the assistant to the king. Cupbearer to the king. And those guys were mere soldiers. Mere spies to go out and see the land. And yet somehow... In the, in the hallways of the palace or wherever this took place, Nehemiah overhears them talking. And I don't, we don't know what they said, but obviously they're talking about what they've just seen. He overhears them and he says to them, he goes to them, it says in verse 2, and asks them what's going on with the Jews who had escaped. Which brings us to the first thing about the mess before the miracle. The first question I would ask us this morning is, will you see the problem from a godly perspective? You know, uh, our behavior is controlled 100% based on our perception. Did you know that? The way we respond to situations or we react to situations is 100% dependent upon our perception. I heard this story of a preacher one time, and he was preaching this sermon, and there was a large crowd, and he was watching, and everybody seemed to be listening, but there was one guy in the crowd that the whole time he was preaching was just talking. He was talking to the guy beside him, and he would lean over, and he would just lean over, and he'd be yakking, yakking, back and forth. And the longer he preached, the more frustrated he got. He's thinking, here I am. Most people are listening. This guy's down there yapping. What is the problem? What is the problem? Finally the service ended and to make matters worse here those two gentlemen come down to the front And one gentleman is with the other and they walk up and the gentleman who was talking the whole time said Well well, pastor this this friend of mine I brought to church today just he wants to tell you something And so his friend said pastor I just well I just that sermon just blessed me and it meant so much to me And I and he's thinking how could it mean so much you didn't hear a word I said because your friend's yapping the whole time He's thinking how did you even hear it? And finally, the friend that was with him volunteered this information and said, you may have seen me keep talking to him over and over again about what you were saying. And he said, the reason I was doing that is because he was, he's hard of hearing. He, didn't hear, he couldn't hear what you were saying. And so every time you would say a paragraph, I would stop and repeat that to him so he could hear the message. And he felt about that big. <laughs> it's all based on your perception. Perception. So here we have Nehemiah. He hears from these friends who have come back. He hears their response and here's what they say. The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity, they're in great distress and reproach. And so he began to get a, a proper perspective of what was going on. And God began to get a hold of his heart. And his reaction, once he had the proper perspective, began to be compassion and to have a heart for the people. He saw these guys and he heard them converse probably in their hebrew tongue and their hebrew language And he went near to them and began to inquire and ask them what was going on You know, he had great perception but as I read this again this morning Here's what I thought the guys that he was talking to had great perception Because their perception was he's asking he cares He's a cupbearer to the king. I'm going to tell him what we've seen and just be totally honest transparent and vulnerable and say the motherland is going crazy the walls are down the people are in great distress they're in fear and so their perception was here's a person to whom we can be honest and tell the real picture you know what i thought of when i when i read this story i thought about how one another one of satan's greatest tools Lynn, is for us to be silent Or to fake it. How do we do that in Southern Baptist church life? We do it a lot when people say, how you doing? And our number one answer is usually what? (laughs) I'm not fine today. I want to give you the freedom to not always be fine. There are some of us in here that are facing some great difficulties... Some of us in here need to call on the body of Christ, our brother from a different mother, or our sister from a different mister. But we need to call on our brothers and sisters in Christ and be transparent and honest and vulnerable and say, here's what's happening with me. So I've got a question. Are you facing anything today that you just go, wow, I need the hand of God? To change this right now. Anybody facing anything like that today? If you are, I'm going to ask you to stand up because we want to pray for you this morning. Anybody? I'm standing too, by the way. I want you to know as one of the pastors here, just like Nehemiah was, this is a place where you can freely be transparent and vulnerable and not have to say everything's fine if you're close to somebody who's standing this morning I'm gonna ask you if you're seated and you can stand up to stand up and and get close to a person that's standing would you do that you may not know what's going on with them but we're gonna have just a moment of prayer and you get close to somebody who's standing And I want you just to begin to pray, church family. Just pray. You may not know what to pray. That's all right. Just start praying out loud. Somebody, if you're standing by somebody and you would pray, just start praying if you would. Thank you, Lord, for hearing the prayers of your people. Thank you for a church family that believes in the power of prayer. Thank you that, Lord, we we say it and it sounds cliche, but it is true that at the foot of the cross we're all equal. It's because of that that we can be vulnerable with each other because nobody in here, including this guy, is better than anybody else. We all stand in need of a touch by you. And so, Lord, for those needs of our church family today that are so huge that we would say we need a miraculous intervention, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you provide the miracle. And when you do we will say praise be to God. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you church family. You can you can have a seat. So the question is do we have a burden for people? Do we ask questions? Do we understand things from a godly perspective? I'm grateful that when we read, Nehemiah could have watched these guys just walk on by, but he engaged with them and asked questions and had concern. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to just say everything's fine. Sometimes that's a great response, sometimes it's not. But we want to be honest. And these guys were honest with Nehemiah. And they said, The remnant who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. And Nehemiah had a wonderful response because as he saw things from a godly perspective, it motivated him. His, his correct perception. Motivated him to have a proper response. What did he do? It says he prayed and he fasted And he wept and he mourned for days my translation my verse Says mourn for days, but if you actually find out how many days it was for four months Four months of prayer four months of fasting We've talked as a church family about how important prayer is and i've called us to a time of prayer Maybe we should be called to a time of fasting. Have you ever done that? I'm not talking about you miss lunchtime and you realize it's two o'clock and you just go, oh, I'll wait till supper. That's just missing a meal. I'm talking about strategically and specifically fasting because you're so desperate for God. You want to see him do something and you're like, I am going to stop eating until you speak to me. I've done that for a week. I've had some friends of mine do it for 40 days. God bless them. It's a long time. But Nehemiah turns to the Lord and he weeps and he mourns and he fasts and he prays. Why? Because he realizes his perspective has been changed. Church family, my prayer for us as we look at the future, and we're going to stop right there this morning, but as we look at the future, we'll come back to this next week and we think about where God is calling us as a church family, is to see things from a godly perspective. Perspective. The world is doing its dead-level best. And by the way, we'll spend any amount of money possible to get us to see things from the world's perspective. But what God is calling us to do is to see things from His perspective. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray today that You would give us a perspective from You. Because when we look at our world The reality is, God, the walls are down. And no, we're not talking about that wall. The walls spiritually of safety are down. The walls of holiness are down. The walls of godliness are down. And for many of us, myself included, that's why we're not fine. Because we're suffering the result, just like Nehemiah prayed, the result of sin. So, Lord, I pray this morning for these friends in this place. Would you give us a godly perspective? I pray that you would teach us, as Lynn shared with us this morning, how our story perhaps could be the catalyst. It could be the light bulb to change people's thinking, to get them to have a perspective about you. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone in this place this morning who has never turn their eyes to you and they've never had that perspective they've never realized that they need you God that that this morning would be that time and for the rest of us God there's some area of our life where we need to have godly perspective I pray even right now you would place your finger on that area of our heart that area of our life where we need to hear from you and we'll thank you for what you're going to do because we trust you in Jesus' name, amen. Church family, thank you for your obedience to the Lord this morning. And I don't know how God is speaking to you about the perspective that you need to have when it comes to that godly perspective, but I'll be down here this morning, and if you need to come down and just say a word, if you need to come down and pray, you do that this morning. If you're, if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, you know the best perspective change that I ever had in my life was when I realized I was a sinner I was destined for an eternity in hell. But the Holy Spirit of the Lord got a hold of my heart and helped me realize that if I would confess my sins, He would be faithful and just to cleanse me of my sins. And that the wages of my sins, though it should be death, it would be eternal life because of the free gift of God through, eternal, through, through Jesus Christ. And so if you find yourself in here today and you're like, wow, I've never heard that. That's a new perspective. My prayer for you this morning will be that you would just surrender your life to, Lord, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you want to know more about that, I'd love to pray with you and tell you how you can make that a reality today. Church family, would you stand? We're going to sing a invitation hymn. However God's moved on your heart today, you respond in obedience. And I'll be here at the front to greet you.